time to awaken from your podcast to slumber as I do another number explaining the best sports talk podcast around. So it's time for your truly to get unruly and to get on down and expound and explain what Wendell's World in Sports is all about. A sports talk program that slams out the hits like Mike Trout with the cloud to talk about everything and anything from inside an arena stadium to an octagon or a boxing ring. When outside social issues intrude to include themselves into the current state of affairs of the game or contest, without just trepidation or hesitation, I attack the subject matter as if it was a quarterback and I was Khalil Mack. So take a step back and rethink your plan to engage in the battle. And my podcast brings joy to every man, woman, girl, and boy from Pakistan to Seattle, washing tons of bums and putting them on the run as those pretenders surrender to the podcasting equivalent of the last style bender. I'll take any sports talking Palooka and embarrass him like he was Cameron Johnson of the Phoenix Suns trying to guard Luca. I'm a maverick that's quick to inflict a verbal beatdown that could be fatal. No remorse or second thoughts about it. I'll be more willing and able. So sitting at the table, you won't be the dinner guest, but the appetizer, main course, and dessert. So avert your eyes and gaze on another prize as I reprise and report and complete another remarkable podcasting feat. This Washington commander from the DMV will be demanding your understanding that your podcast compared to mine, your best belief, you're Ryan Leaf while I'm Peyton Manning. Accept the loss from your podcasting boss and toss out any hopes or optimism in wishing you're winning this melee. If you put any money on beating me, you'll be broke by payday. So if you wish to continue to have broadcasting happiness and bliss, don't miss my warning because in the words of Chris Jericho, you know what happens to the podcasters who try to challenge me? You just made the list! So with my podcast, head down the listening road to download, subscribe with pride, a review or rate would be great as I would appreciate the love and support of this podcast named Wendell's World and Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most unique, entertaining, and compelling sports talk podcast you'll ever listen to. Let's be great. Let's be great. Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Giannis charging down the lane to the rim. Double clutch. No good. Tipped in. Giannis tipped it home. Subscribe, rate, and review anywhere and everywhere you listen to this and all your favorite podcasts. And now, from Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, Rip, Roin, and ready to rumble, Wendell Wallace. Good morning, good abend, bonjour, bonsoir, que pasa, konnichiwa, wassalamualaikum. What is happening? What is going on? Namaste. What is going on, y'all? Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the World of Sports. Special dedication for those who are listening to this podcast. Anywhere where you're listening to this podcast. Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart. Do me a favor, would you? If you're liking what you're listening to, you could just go ahead and uh, download, subscribe, rate, review. Most importantly, enjoy the most unique entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to. And if you want to see how this podcast is done, if you want to see this guy do a thing, if you're going to go over to my YouTube channel, Wendell's World of Sports, W-E-N-D-E-L-L apostrophe S, World in Sports. If you go over to my YouTube channel and um, single ladies between the ages of uh, 42 and 48, if you uh, 
if you like what you see, <clears throat> go ahead and uh, subscribe to my uh, YouTube channel, like the video, all of those good things. So if you could do those things for me, I would very much appreciate it. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host here, Wendell Wallace. Let's get down, let's start ripping and roaring and speaking about what's happening. And the world of sports, as you know, in the racist, ignorant, selfish, divided states of America, the country that we live in currently, the fact that as I'm recording this on a Sunday, we know what is king, especially ever speaking about this time of the year, what is number one. So, yes, Emeka Yudoka, I'm going to get to my second segment of what's going on with him and the Boston Celtics and everything. I'm going to get into the Robert Sarver situation. Bye-bye, Robbie. Nice to know you. I'm going to get into this Brett Favre situation. I'm going to get into what happened this past weekend in college football. All of those things I will be getting into, but... Of course, I got to start with the NFL season. Week three, you know, it's interesting, only three weeks in. You know how many undefeated teams, or you know how many teams are three, you know? Only two. Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I've always said this before, and <clears throat> I've said this many times on the podcast, especially in the early stages of the NFL season. We, we're still in the month of uh september we've got a long way to go it's 17 games but in the nfl it's a marathon not a sprint so it's a situation where hey look man we're going to take the first month we're going to take the first four five six sometimes even seven games if you're a fan just be a fan don't worry about if you're a cincinnati Bengals fan or a las vegas raider fan or a washington commander fan which i am a buffalo bill fan a new orleans saints fan a tampa bay buccaneers fan a miami dolphins fan a philadelphia eagle fan a new york giants fan and i'm naming all these teams because i'm running through the gamut of teams that are surprisingly doing great like the jacksonville Jaguars, record-wise, teams that have shown improvement but are not showing up as far as the win-loss situation is concerned, like the Detroit Lions, speaking about, you know, teams that might have gotten off to a rocky start, like, oh, the Arizona Cardinals or the uh, Carolina Panthers or the New Orleans Saints, all of these teams right now, what, what you're a fan of, the Denver Broncos, the anemic offense, I just got finished watching that game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Denver Broncos, and my eyes are still bleeding from watching that nonsense. So before we start panicking about uh, the Nathan Hackett, the head coach of the Broncos, and is he the right guy? Don't worry about it, guys. He ain't black, so he's going to get a few more chances to be bad. If he is going to be a bad coach, this is not going to be a Steve Weiss situation. This is not going to be a situation where if you're black in the NFL as a head coach, your chances of getting fired quicker then a white counterpart is much higher. So if Nathan Hackett, the coach, the new coach for the Denver Broncos, continues to make the mistakes that he makes, continues to have the anemic offense that he has, the Denver Broncos, even though winning, even though 2-1-1, so I don't know how, if you're listening to the program, I know you're sitting here and you're listening to me and saying, wait a minute, Wendell, how in the world are you saying that the Denver Broncos, as of three games in, can be considered a disappointment? When their record is 2-1 and one, they're tied with the uh, Kansas City football team for the lead in the uh, AFC West. What are you talking about? Well, what I'm saying is that, that if the Broncos continue to play, especially on offense, as underwhelming and as inconsistent and that as poorly as they're playing right now, that 2-1, and one, that 66% winning percentage is not going to last. And for a team who... Many people thought that with the acquisition of Russell Wilson would put themselves into a position to be one of the teams that could contend for a conference championship or a Super Bowl championship. The way they're playing as of right now, very much underwhelming. But yet and still, 
three games in, blah, blah, blah. But my main point is that the Denver Broncos falter. Because Nathan Hackett doesn't have the brown skin, he'll get a better chance to improve coming back to year two if Nathan Hackett was a black man. And for instance, the Denver Broncos finished four and 13 and played anemic and played bad football and such, then in all consequences, in all likelihood, that guy would be fired. But that's another rant. That's another thought. That's another opinion. That's another debate. That's another discussion for another day. My point is, in all of this, is that whether your team is riding high, Philadelphia, Miami, or riding low, Las Vegas Raiders, Arizona Cardinals, still, no need to um, go ahead and start panicking and no need to start writing stuff in stone in terms of what the 2022 season is going to be for um, <clears throat> for the uh, for your favorite NFL franchise. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. So speaking about, you know, the week-to-week situation and speaking about, you know, how fluid these 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 rankings are or how fluid the NFL uh, season is and these teams are and the ups and the downs, I was taking a look because, as I mentioned before, through three weeks, only two teams, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami Dolphins were the only two teams with 3-0 records. We'll see what happens with the other undefeated team in the NFL, the New York Giants, when they play the Dallas Cowboys and kind of rush tomorrow on Monday Night Football. But when I was taking a look at the preseason power rankings, the top 10, shall we say, going into the season, this came out in August uh, before the beginning of the first game. You had teams like the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are ranked number one and number two, the Los Angeles Rams, the Kansas City football team, the Cincinnati Bengals, were for the most part, when you took a look at the uh, websites and you took a look at the NFL power rankings and you went to NFL.com and such, those were the teams that were in the top five, the consensus top five, Buffalo being number one, Tampa Bay being number two, the Rams number three, Kansas City number four, Cincinnati number five, the Green Bay Packers number six, the San Francisco 49ers number seven, the Los Angeles Chargers number eight, the Baltimore Ravens number nine, and the Dallas Cowboys number 10. So, so far this season, if you take a look at these power rankings, the Buffalo Bills suffered their first loss of the season against Miami, Tampa Bay because of injury, because of lack of offensive weapons. When you take a look at the um, offensive uh, line and their injuries, when you take a look at the wide receiver's position, the fact that, you know, today Mike Evans didn't play, you know, he couldn't be dynamite. There were no good times uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without Mike Evans. So he didn't play today. Um, the Los Angeles Rams have been inconsistent after getting buffaloed, shall we say, in the first game of the season. The Cincinnati Bengals looking better against the New York Jets today, getting their first win of the season, being sacked, Joe Burrow being sacked only three times, but still that offensive line is in question. Kansas City still adjusting to losing one of their major offensive weapons in Tyreek Hill. They lost today in the in the game on the road to the Indianapolis Colts. You can thank the special teams for that nonsense and the boneheaded um in a, in a boneheaded 15-yard personal conduct penalty that gave Indianapolis new life. The Green Bay Packers still adjusting to life without uh, Devontae Adams and seeing who's going to emerge from a very young and inexperienced uh, wide receiving group. San Francisco making the adjustment to 
Jimmy Garoppolo from Trey Lance. Here, here we go. Here we go. Let's go ahead and say this. Re- remember this nonsense. It, okay, I get it. I understand it. It's only one game. And I'm going to stick with my philosophy. I'm going to go by my philosophy. I'm going to go by the words. I'm going to heed the words that I say about not making any type of set in, set in stone statements. Any, you know, printed in erasable ink type of statements. But re- remember when the San Francisco 49ers, because they couldn't find a trade partner or a good trade concerning Jimmy Garoppolo. So they gave him a one-year contract. About five and a half point, uh, five and a half million dollars to uh, be the backup quarterback, and the some of the scuttlebutt, some of the debates, some of the talking points were, well, I mean, you know, what is this going to mean for Trey Lance? I mean, this was supposed to be Trey Lance's team, or this was supposed to be a situation where Trey Lance was going to have to show his wares. What's going to happen if Trey Lance struggles? What's going to happen if Trey Lance can't get the job? For a team that's supposed to be vying for a championship in the San Francisco 49ers, for a team in San Francisco that, as I mentioned before, you take a look at the preseason rankings, most of them had the 49ers in the top 10. Well, what happens if the 49ers falter in terms of the offensive play of the quarterback? Now you have a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo who's going to be there and, oh my goodness gracious, here was a guy who has a winning record and a really good record uh, when he's being coached by Kyle Shanahan and this was a guy who led the team to the Super Bowl and this was a guy who only last year led the team to the uh, conference championship and all this kind of stuff and what's going to be happening and this could be a situation where he tears apart the locker room and all this kind of stuff. Then, unfortunately, Trey Lance gets hurt, right? He's done for the season. And then all this other speculation. Well, did you hear uh, Kyle Shanahan talking about no matter what, that uh, Trey Lance is going to be out for the rest of the season and, you know, taking a look at this injury, if he was really going to rehabilitate hard and that there was any chance that he could come back, that he would come back and blah, blah, blah. And what that really means in the press conference that Kyle Shanahan said, that um, Trey Lance is going to be gone for the year. That means that he's already admitted to a mistake. He's already said, you know what, I made a mistake in naming Trey Lance, and he's not the quarterback, and Jimmy Garoppolo is, and blah, blah, blah. And this is a way to kind of make that transition, to ease that transition to Jimmy Garoppolo going back to being the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers on a full-time basis, even when... Trey Lance returns next season. All of this nonsense, all of this bullshit, all of this. What the hell are you talking about on Fox Sports? What what in the world are you talking about with the body language and reading in between the lines at the press conference and all this kind of nonsense? All of this distraction, all of this wanted, unwanted distraction in terms of this whole quarterback deal with Trey Lance being injured and now Jimmy Garoppolo's team. Well, again, 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 again. I understand early in the season, I understand that this was the first game for Garoppolo in a while. I understand all of those things. I understand that they were playing a very good defense on the road in Denver. understand all those things. But the way that Garoppolo was playing today, does there really look like there can be some real quarterback controversy? Is there really going to be a situation if Garoppolo's going to play at or around the level that he played in today? Some days, some games this season, he might be better. Some games, he might be worse. But uh, for the most part, if Garoppolo's going to start another 13, 14 games, this is the Jimmy Garoppolo that, that we're going to be seeing. 
is, is this really the guy that's going to supplant Trey Lance? And look, before Trey Lance got uh, injured, it wasn't like he was uh, setting the world on fire either. But yet and still, again, as I mentioned before on my podcast, when I was speaking about the nonsense of, well, Jimmy Garoppolo being on the 49ers, they couldn't get rid of him. They couldn't trade him. What did that mean? Oh, my goodness, there's going to be controversy. He's going to divide the locker room. Uh, he's going to be a better fit. He's going to be, uh, you know, because of his record and because of what he's done in the past and all this kind of stuff. You know, then and because of that, Kyle Shanahan is going to fall to the pressure of the media and the fans and his, and his players and, and, and insert... Um, Jimmy Garoppolo at the at the first opportunity that he can, and I kept saying to you dummies, you really think that Kyle Shanahan is going to who who put his reputation on the line by making the moves to go ahead and draft Trey Lance that a couple of games or half a season into his rookie season after he had them play football for the most part on a consistent basis for two years, that after only a half a year. In his first year of being a starter, that he's going to pull the plug for Jimmy Garoppolo? Based on what you saw today with the Denver Broncos, based if you saw that game tonight against the Broncos, based on that, that's supposed to be the answer to the 49ers if Trey Lance was supposed to be faltering? Again, I will. I, I understand everything that went into it. Again, I'm going to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to play that badly on a consistent basis being the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And yeah, sure, maybe in the short term, very short term, in terms of uh, having the 49ers reach their expectations that Jimmy Garoppolo might be a better fit. But for long term, for Kyle Shanahan to nix that idea and put in Jimmy Garoppolo and exit Trey Lance, which would be admitting defeat, in terms of one of his pet projects, a guy in Kyle Shanahan who's known for turning careers around, who made an MVP out of Matt Ryan when he was the offensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons, who had Jimmy Garoppolo and led them to the Super Bowl and NFC Championship, for a guy who got one good year out of RG3, then turned around and made his fourth-round pick in Kirk Cousins, a guy who's making, I don't know, and when everything is all said, set and done contract-wide, that he's going to be making him a boatload of $130 million plus, that Jimmy, that um, Kyle Shanahan is going to give up on Trey Lance, which is probably going to be his biggest project, which is probably going to be his most challenging project, and if he succeeds, it's going to be probably his most rewarding challenge a challenge that if it succeeds could land Kyle Shanahan in the Hall of Fame come on man I'm not talking hyperbole I'm not talking bullshit if Trey Lance lives up to the expectations if Trey Lance becomes the MVP and the San Francisco 49ers win the Super Bowl blah 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 and turns into the quarterback that many people including Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch think that he can become and which is the reason why they moved up, which is the reason why they mortgaged a bunch of uh, draft picks to get Trey Lance. If he lives up to that expectation and he gets a couple of Super Bowls for Kyle Shanahan, you don't think that's going to be enough for Shanahan to get into the uh, NFL Hall of Fame? Maybe even before his daddy or his daddy's already in. I think Is his daddy in the Hall of Fame? I don't know, but, but whatever. My point is, is that it's just ridiculous. It was just nonsensical. It was just idiotic to uh, sit there and uh, have that debate and that discussion. But all of this is to say, week three in the NFL, and based on the rankings, and based on the expectations, there's already some surprises. 
when you're speaking about the only two teams in the NFL who are 3-0. and And those two teams are the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles, a team who I believe, if you check the, if you check the uh, history books, so early on in the season they were ranked somewhere between what was that? They were ranked. What were the what were the rankings of the um, Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles? So Philadelphia was ranked 15th, and Miami was ranked uh, 19th. Now again, it's, now I I, I believe. I believe I can fly. Oh shit, that motherfucker's in jail. Never mind. Um, I believe that the Philadelphia Eagles have another have have a better chance of winning their division or reaching the expectations of oh shit, how about that? They're the, the surprise team of the league more than the Miami Dolphins. You know, the major part is that they're going to be playing in a much lesser conference. We don't know about what the Dallas Cowboys are going to be doing. Connor uh, Rush being the starting quarterback for now. What's going to be happening with Dak Prescott's going to come back. What's Dallas going to do about their wide receiver position? What about the Mike McCarthy situation? The defense, I think, is good enough for them to compete for the being one of the better teams in the NFC. But some of the other questions concerning their offensive line, concerning their wide receivers, concerning their quarterback, concerning their coach, I think makes it a perfect brew if you take a look at that division, the Giants are 2-0, and but yet and still they haven't convinced me that they're for real in terms of being real contenders for the division uh, championship. The Washington Commanders, my Washington Commanders right now starting off very slowly. I'll, I'll get into a subject matter concerning them a little bit later on in this uh, segment. But uh, because of the fact that there is no Buffalo Bills looming, a Buffalo Bills type of team looming, in their division when you're speaking about the Philadelphia Eagles that I think that more than the Miami Dolphins that it could be the Philadelphia Eagles who could be that surprise team that could really do some things. Of course, you know, you still have Jalen Hurts. You still have some other uh, situations that you have to deal with. And then there's also the remnants of the 38-35 to victory over the improved but still not, not yet contending Detroit Lions that can make people maybe put a pause three weeks in to say, okay, now Philadelphia was going to be a, a, a fraud in terms of them being one of the elite teams, not just in the NFL, but also in the NFC. What could it be? Okay, you beat the Washington Commanders. They stink. You beat the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, you're impressive, but you know, they're not world beaters as of right now, and you barely beat the uh, Detroit Lions. So if you're still hating, on the long-term prognostication in terms of excellence or in terms of over-exceeding expectations for the Philadelphia Eagles, and you want to go down that route, if you want to play that game, if you want to go to that city, town, estate in terms of Haterville, then you can maybe point those things out to say, okay, before we start, uh, you know, talking about um, putting together a parade down Broad Street when the Eagles win a championship, let's put the break on brakes on that. And let me tell you why the Eagles are not going to be reaching the expectations or because um, what we're seeing right now is a mirage and not realism. So I think in the situation like that, hey, man, I'll get to the Washington Commanders in just a second. But uh, Jalen Hurts is, is going to be the, the key. And, you know, as of right now, we are three games in. I get that. I understand that. But as of right now, man, Jalen Hurts, I guess you could say is um, playing at the level of a um, 
of a top five quarterback. And if Jalen Hurts through three games, and I know it's I know it's early. I know I know even to even make these statements and everything is redunculous, but I'm gonna do it anyway because that's who I am. I'm absolutely redunculous. Um Jalen Hurts, three games in, MVP. Now last season after six games, Russell Wilson was the MVP. Kyler Murray was leading the charge for the MVP in a lot of people's uh awards deals six, seven weeks into the season. So I'm I'm not saying this is set in stone, but through three games, and yes, I understand, Detroit, Minnesota, and Washington. But yet and still, the development, the improvement that we see from Jalen Hurts has been uh, has been pretty remarkable. And the uh, embarrassment that they gave the uh, Washington Commanders today, my Washington Commanders, ugh, Shows that the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, you got that defense which sacked Carson Wentz, I think, what, about 1,800 times? Even though for the uh, Washington offensive line, they should be looking at uh, Carson Wentz kind of side-eyed and like, come on, man, get rid of the fucking ball. Jeez, man. I mean, we can't sit there and hold these guys off forever. You know, and Wentz said himself, look, I need to get better in terms of throwing the football and releasing it quicker, this, that, the other thing. But my, my Washington commanders are a mess as of right now. But uh, still, it was uh, it was a victory, I think, that kind of raised the eyebrows of folks to say, you know what, we, we thought that there was a possibility that the Eagles, who beat Washington 24-8, to would uh, go ahead and do some things. But, uh, yeah, that second quarter where basically it was ball game where it was 24 nothing and then that was about it. Yeah, it was uh it was impressive. You know, so you take a look at the Eagles on defense here on Wendell's World and Sports the podcast with yours truly Wendell Wallace counting the week 2 win over the Vikings. Philadelphia's defense allows 7 points in 6 quarters. Jalen Hurts as I mentioned before continues to shine at the starting QB for the Eagles in the first half against Washington. Had three touchdown passes, 279 yards. That was almost six times the yardage Washington had as a team before halftime. His counterpart, Carson Wentz, who was supposed to be by now. As of 2022 season, Carson Wentz right now was supposed to be the guy who was one of the faces of the franchise, not just for the Philadelphia Eagles, but for the entire league. If you remember where he was sitting in 2017 when before he got injured for the season, late in the season, that he was the front runner to win the MVP. The guy who was supposed to be the best quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles since Donovan McNabb and Ron Jaworski. Be the best football player for the Philadelphia Eagles since Wilbert Montgomery, Harold Carmichael, and yes, Steve Van Buren. Look it up, kids. I'm rolling. But, uh... You know, things change, times change. And while uh, Jalen Hurts was putting up 279 yards and three touchdown passes in the first half, Wentz was 3 for 10 for 24 yards in that same in that same uh, moment in time. So what's important, and you know, one of the reasons why maybe I'm going a little bit overboard with this in terms of um, Jalen Hurts is because if you, if you look at where he was, not just at the end of the season last season, even though the Eagles made the playoffs at 9-8, and eight, losing in the uh, first round to the Tampa Bay. Now, who did they lose to? Who did they lose to? I don't remember. But, um, yeah, they were 9-8. and eight. I think it was the Buccaneers. Wasn't it the Buccaneers? Someone looked that up for me. But um, where Jalen Hurts was at the end of that season, and all of the scuttlebutt 
all of the rumors, all of the reports about Jalen Hurts, is he the guy, is he the right guy, Philadelphia's leaving no stone unturned, and this was a guy who was uh, spoke about in trade talks allegedly with the Houston Rock, uh, Houston Rockets, how about that, because, you know, Jalen Green is just the guy who can not only dunk over people, but also can uh, throw a mean out, out pattern, but, um, <clears throat> but they were with the Houston Texans in discussing Deshaun Watson, they were speaking with the Seattle Seahawks in discussions with Russell Wilson. Basically, what they were saying was the fact that, look, we don't truly believe 100%, 95%, even 90% that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback that's going to get us to where we want to go. This was a guy, if you remember, was drafted in the second round, n- not to be the starting quarterback, but because of Carson Wentz's injury history, but to be a guy who could develop into a good backup quarterback if Carson Wentz, who was still the focal point of him being the franchise quarterback, we were going to miss some games, was going to miss some games because of injury, that they would have a solid backup quarterback. That's what Jalen Hurts' career was going to be about, being a backup quarterback. And now you see him making the improvements from last year to this year you have to, uh, you know, you have to give a pound. You have to get down with the funky chicken and the James Brown too, in terms of uh, what um, Jalen Hurts is doing. Still, he still has. They still have question marks coming in, but yet still, what Jalen Hurts is doing, being the catalyst, taking advantage more than any other quarterback. Maybe I would say even more than Tua Tagovailoa with um, with um, Tyreek Hill. I think the chemistry. I think the immediate uh, dividends are paying off greatly in the relationship between Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. And if you forgot today against Washington, he reminded you that Devonta Smith is also a guy who caught, what, 157, uh, who had 157 yards uh, uh, receiving in the first half. Last uh, couple of games, he's been great. So now you have a one-two punch for the Eagles that's uh, good enough to get you to some places and have you do some things. Am I projecting right now that the Eagles are truly going to be Super Bowl contenders as of right now three games in? No, but guess what? I'm not saying that about anybody. I don't care. I'm not saying that about the Buffalo Bills. I'm not saying that about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not saying that about the Los Angeles Rams or Chargers. I'm not saying that about the Kansas City used to be champions. I'm not saying that about the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not saying that about anybody. Nobody, clean slate for a nobody, for everybody, I mean, because we're still three games into the season. I'm just talking about what has been happening here in this short little span in the month of uh, September, because week four, we're in October, and the season keeps a moving and a moving and a grooving. And if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, you hope that the Jalen Hurts quarterbacking experience keeps on improving. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The other team that's uh, like, hey, how about that, man? They're that good, huh? The Miami Dolphins. Now, I remember saying after their victory over the Baltimore Ravens last week, and you could say that was a situation where Baltimore snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. You could say that, but hey, you know what? Dolphins, doesn't matter. There's no asterisks. There's no has-beens. There's no half points and all this type of stuff. You win or you lose, baby, and the Dolphins beat the Ravens however you want to put it last week. But I was saying that for early 
in this season, the true test or the first test that the Dolphins were going to have was against the uh, was against the Buffalo Bills, a team as many people are saying are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Started off the season extremely strong. What they did to the defending champions, Los Angeles Rams, on the road, open up the season on Thursday night football, and then the week after that, the pummeling they gave the uh, Tennessee Titans on Monday night football. That early in the season, both Buffalo looked like they weren't fooling around, as uh, the homeboys say, Buffalo looked like they weren't fucking around. So this was going to be a, a good situation for Tua and the rest of the fellas. We'll see what they can do against a team that uh, last year beat them 35 to nothing and now scored them like 60 to 11 in two games. Now, when you're speaking about Miami, when you're speaking about playing in Miami, and you're speaking about playing in Miami in September, first part of the season, you're speaking about one of the greatest home field advantages that a team can have as they beat Buffalo on Sunday, 21 19. Um, the temperature for the game. In South Beach in Miami was in the 90s. And the heat index on the field was more than 100 degrees. So the Hard Rock Stadium, the design of the Hard Rock, Hard Rock Stadium, where the Miami, Miami Dolphins play their home games, are designed to have the home team in the shade while the opposing team have nothing to keep them away from the full effects of the temperature and have that sun just beaming on them. So you had a situation where, hey, look, man, the uh, by the end of the game, I'm not saying that the uh, I'm not saying that the Miami Dolphins were fresh as a daisy, because you know in the shade it was 60 degrees, and for the Buffalo Bills they were sitting in 95 degree weather with a lot of humidity. I'm not saying that at all, but man, you know you, we've all been there where it's like, hey, man, even a little bit of shade, even a little bit of uh, not having the sun on, yeah, goes a long way when you're doing some type of physical exertion and uh, playing a football game or participating in sports and such so yeah that was a huge huge deal for Miami and a huge huge advantage for them on Sunday against the Bills the Miami's defense came up with several uh big second half plays or stops held Buffalo's offense to just three points during the game's final 30 minutes Tua Tungavailoa showed that he can be part 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 of a team that can compete for a championship. He might not be projected to be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or one of these guys where you can load up the franchise with with him and he's going to go out and win your championship. But you know what Tua's showing so far early on in this season? Don't know if it's going to last because it's three games in and with his injury history, we we don't know. But you know one thing that Tua is uh, showing us? The fact that he can be a guy that can be part of a team that can compete for a championship. He can be, speaking about Tua, and playing his role and his responsibility and the impact that he can have on his team competing for championships. He can do, he can follow the playbook of what Peyton Manning was for the Denver Broncos in his last season in 2015 and the Broncos winning the Super Bowl. Why? Because of strong defense in a running game and not relying fully on Peyton Manning, not thinking the, about the Peyton Manning of the uh, 2003s and the 2007s and the 2011s. That Peyton Manning was long gone, but yet still, because of the defense and other components around him, he was still able to uh, win himself that championship without being the Peyton Manning that was in the Hall of Fame. 
Tua Tunga Vailoa can play the role of what Jared Goff was for the Los Angeles Rams in being the quarterback for them in the Super Bowl, in Super Bowl 53, where they lost to the um, New England Patriots. And Sean McVay kind of said after that, I need to give myself a quarterback. Tua Tunga Vailoa can be what Jimmy Garoppolo was for the San Francisco 49ers being the quarterback in the Super Bowl for them in 2019 and being a couple of minutes short of winning themselves a championship but Garoppolo could have hit uh, that receiver streaking uh, wide open in the end zone if uh, Garoppolo would have been able to hit that guy in San Francisco would have won that uh, Super Bowl then you know maybe the Jimmy Garoppolo story takes a uh, takes a different turn but what I'm saying is is that you know we we sit here and we speak about, man, you need to have that quarterback, you need to have that franchise quarterback, you need to have that guy to win yourself a championship, and yes, I'm telling you, man, having Patrick Mahomes really helps. Yeah, back in the day, having a Tom Brady really helps. Having a Drew Brees really helps. Having uh, having that type of quarterback really helps. But it's not the only way, it's the best way, but it's not the only way that a team can compete and win a championship. And hey, man, as long as you're competing, that's what everybody wants, right? Because even having yourself a Tom Brady in his prime, even having yourself a um, having yourself a Patrick Mahomes, or or having yourself a Josh Allen, or having yourself a Justin Herbert, or having that type of quarterback, doesn't automatically win that you're going to be winning championships. Because we're still waiting for that Kansas City dynasty to happen with allegedly the greatest quarterback who's ever played. So there's, there's, there's many ways. The, the Los Angeles Rams won a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford gritty. Matthew Stafford kind of in like in that Donovan McNabb type of career type of uh, class when you're speaking about is he a Hall of Famer or not. I think when everything is all said and done that Matthew Stafford, Stafford is going to be a guy who is almost a Hall of Famer. But, um, you know, the Los Angeles Rams won that championship. Why? Because they had the best cornerback in the game. They had a great defense. They had Aaron Donald, one of the best players, offense or defense in the NFL. You had Cooper Cup, one of the best, not just wide receivers, but players in the game. You had a plethora of talent surrounding Matthew Stafford. So he didn't have to go Patrick Mahomes. He didn't have to go Josh Allen. He didn't have to go Drew Brees. He didn't have to go Tom Brady. He didn't have to go Eli Manning. He didn't have to go Peyton Manning. He didn't have to go all of those things to win a championship. And why in the world did I put Eli Manning in there in that structure? I'm sorry. But what I'm saying is that, hey, man, with Tua Tunga Vailoa, if he just plays his role, if he just plays his part, yeah, I think that there is a space for the Miami Dolphins to compete for an NFL championship because you have such speedsters, you have such wide receivers, you have such playmakers as Tyreek Hill and Jaden Waddle, and you have a defense that uh, you know the Miami Dolphins can do some things. Now, when you turn around in the game today and you take a look at the Buffalo Bills, I think there is only two teams who have gone through the entire regular season undefeated. One of them won a Super Bowl with the Miami Dolphins 1972, and the other team, the New England Patriots back in 2007 somewhere, lost to the New York Giants. My point is that just because you lose a football game it doesn't mean that the sky is falling and this, that, and the other, and we should be upset. The Bills were playing without six players who started the game this year due to injury. They dealt with seven players, seven other players, missing time or leaving the game. Why? Because it was so damn hot, 
Right tackle Spencer Brown left the game, didn't return with what the Bills assessed was heat illness. Reserve right guard, reserve right guard Ryan Bates and center Greg Van Rotten, who was subbing for injured starter Mitch Morse, also appeared to be impacted by the conditions and missed the game and missed game time. The, the great thing is when the playoffs start in January, nowhere in this country is it going to be the same temperature with the same humidity with the same elements as the Bills were playing against today in the uh, Miami Dolphins and in the in the weather conditions. That, that's not going to be happening. It will still be beautiful in Miami, but it ain't going to be 90 degrees in January. And heaven forbid if the Dolphins have to go on the road in January to Buffalo. It's going to be kind of like the polar opposite. You like that polar? Polar opposite? Yeah. It's going to be the polar opposite in terms of temperature in Buffalo in January as it is for Miami in September. So, you know, I, I still think when everything is all said and done that the Bills are the uh, better football team. The Bills, you know, the Bills lim- dominated the ball on Sunday, 40 uh, minutes with the ball compared to 19 as far as time of possession is concerned. Two second-half Bills position, uh, possessions consisted of 37 plays, for 160 yards while taking 17 minutes off the clock, but they only resulted in um, a field goal. So, again, big picture, what does it mean for Buffalo? I still think that they're the better team. And I think this is going to be a situation where, hey, you know what? For those who thought that the Bills were just going to waltz into the division championship, at least uh, they'll have some work to do. At least they'll have to exert more effort and concentration and passion into their craft and into their game and into their team on a week-to-week basis because I don't think even with Tua going in and out today, he got concussed and he came back and the league is taking a look at that to find out exactly what's going on, even with that nonsense, even with Tua being up and down. I think as an overall team, the Miami Dolphins have what it takes to keep the Buffalo Bills on their toes, keep that edge up, and uh, keep them going on the right direction. So, yeah, the ball, the uh, – Miami Dolphins won today, but I think the Buffalo Bills, when everything is all said and done, is going to be the better team. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Um, How about Lamar Jackson, huh? Lamar Jackson is balling, y'all. Lamar Jackson is going to be balling. They should have gave him that money. Baltimore should have gave him that money. I can't think. Maybe Herbert. Herbert is the last guy after Jackson to see what he can do to get himself a mega deal. There's there's really nobody else on the horizon to uh, go in there and, uh, you know, make the money. Mahomes got his money. Allen, Josh Allen got his money. money. <clears throat> Others got their money. Um, Lamar Jackson is kind of the, the last one, him and Herbert. So, um, you know, Russell Wilson got his money, got his contract extension. So um, I think through three games right now, Lamar Jackson has been absolutely astounding outstanding, the best player in the game, at least as far as quarterbacks are concerned. And, uh, you know, that 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 uh, that price tag just keeps going up and up and up and up. So, uh, yeah, they had a good game today, uh, beating the New England Patriots, who suffered a devastating injury. We don't know the extent of um, Mac Jones's injury, who injured his ankle. You saw him hopping off the field, and they said that after the game, he had to be carried to the locker room, and he was not just in pain, but also in agony. So, you know, the way that 
that ankle twisted. I'm not a doctor, and I wasn't there, but uh, that doesn't look like something that's going to have him come back in a couple of weeks. And uh, if you're if you're in that situation, and as of right now, as of this season, man, you've been trying to see what you can do to kind of formulate a offense around Mac Jones, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he prefers, what he doesn't prefer, and now you lose him. And we've already had a situation where they're trying to work in new offensive coordinators because of Josh McDaniels taking the Las Vegas Raiders job. I mean, this is just going to put them back even more. So for the New England Patriots, it's um, I don't want to use the word dire again three games in, and we are speaking about a team that's being coached by Bill Belichick, but, um, you know, not good. Not good at all for the New England Patriots. And meanwhile, again, Lamar Jackson playing like an MVP. Lamar Jackson playing like a guy who wants to get paid a whole lot of money and a whole lot of guaranteed money and a big old signing bonus and uh, betting on himself. He bet on himself his whole career, and so far, so good. I don't know what would uh, change in that formula, but uh, right now the Baltimore Ravens are going to have to pay and they're going to have to pay big, big, big time. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Let me go ahead and look. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know this stuff is ridiculous. And I'm not saying this should happen. I'm just saying that we should, fans of this team, we, we should start thinking about the conversation. Just thinking about the conversation. Not having the conversation because, again, it's way too early. But I think thinking about the conversation. Add another coach to the possible hot seat situation community. Along with Cliff Kingsbury of the Arizona Cardinals, Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers, and, of course, Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys. Time to uh, add Ron Rivera to the list right now, the head coach of my Washington Commanders. I mean, look, man, in his last full seasons as an NFL head coach, Rivera is nine games under 500. He's 14 and 20 in two seasons, or I'm sorry, 15 and 21 in two seasons with the uh, Washington Commanders. He he signed a five-year deal. I, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that this guy needs to be fired. I'm not even saying that we should have this discussion as of right now. But what I'm saying is, is that we should go ahead and get that chip and put it in our pocket because there's a possibility we might have to bring it out in another five or six weeks when discussing the situation because the Washington Commanders look bad. The Washington Commanders look bad. The Washington, my Washington Commanders looked atrocious. The Washington Commanders today were embarrassed. The Washington Commanders whole situation is embarrassing. When you have people in Philadelphia Green and Philadelphia Eagle fans coming up to uh, FedEx Field and you saw that field and you saw that stadium and you saw that environment and you saw that atmosphere and you saw that flow and that chemistry and such. It was such overwhelmingly Philadelphia. And yes, Washington, the team didn't give the home fans a whole lot to cheer about, but doggone, man. And I hate to be that guy to say, back in my day, but doggone, I'm going to go there. I'm going to take my generation, I'm going to take my generation of Washington fans when we were the Washington Redskins, the days of Joe Gibbs, and I understand that. Hey, Wendell, it's been 40 years. You want to try getting out of the 80s? I get it. I understand it. But doggone it, I have said it time and time and time and time and time again. It's a shame. It's disgusting. It's terrible. It's, it, it, it's abhorrent that there's a generation plus 
of folks who are Washingtonians who have no idea what this football team means, what this football team impact is, what this football team meant to a city, meant to Chocolate City, meant to Montgomery County, Maryland, meant to Prince George's County, meant to Silver Spring, Maryland, went to Bowie, meant, meant to Anne Arundel, meant to the entire DMV. It's a shame because, man, back in the 80s, I know, 40-something years ago, back in the 80s with Joe Gibbs and Art Monk and the Fun Bunch, and Mark Rippon, and Doug Williams, and Joe Thiesman, and John Reagan, and the Hogs, and all of this stuff. RFK, it, it was it was it was magical, man. But we were right up there with the San Francisco 49ers. We were right up there as an organization of pride and success and elitism as the Bill Walsh San Francisco 49ers with Joe Montana and Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence Taylor and Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick at the defensive coordinator and the and the New York Giants man we were right there we were right there we were right there Sonny Jerkerson was good but he Schuler is greater he gets more props and stunts to Jay Schrader we were right there that's what I grew up on that's what we live that's what we breathe that's why 40 50 something years later I'm still a fan of these Washington commanders but man, there's a whole generation with Daniel Snyder being under the ownership that has just, they don't know. They don't know. And this whole new generation of folks that we have coming into the DMV and living in the DMV and we have the diversity and we have folks from all over the world who are growing up Washingtonians, growing up in Montgomery County, growing up in Anne Arundel, growing up in Prince George's, growing up in Falls Church, growing up in Tyson's Corner, growing up in Arlington, growing up all over that area. And all they know about the Washington Redskins or Washington Commanders, excuse me, is they're nothing but a dumpster fire with a piece of shit as an owner. That's all we know. That's all they know. That's all they've been uh, sub subjugated to. And it's, and it's, it's, it's sad. Because these guys look at my generation, they look and say, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I understand that you can go back to the uh, the good old days and you can go back to uh, John Riggins off tackle for the uh, clinching touchdown against the Miami Dolphins in the Super Bowl and beating Don Shula in, in 1982 and going back to the Super Bowl in 1983 and getting your doors blown open by the uh, then lost Los Angeles Raiders and Marcus Allen's um, run and the and, and 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 the situation making history with Doug Williams being the first black quarterback to uh, win a Super Bowl and, and 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 destroying that stereotype and Joe Gibbs making it to the Hall of Fame and at that time it was all about not just Joe Gibbs but you also had Lefty Drizel coaching basketball at the University of Maryland of course one of my idols John Thompson Jr. being the head coach at Georgetown University and Georgetown winning championships and Maryland having Lenny Bias and playing against Michael Jordan in the ACC and my goodness gracious and Lot Rod. Langway with the Washington Capitals all, all of these things that I think about right now as I'm doing this that makes me such a huge fan of just sports itself and shape me into the human being that I am the passionate sports fan that I am hey man look for this generation the last generation of Washingtonians they don't have any of that none of that nothing Georgetown is stunk Maryland has been stuck in neutral um, you know, you've got the Washington Nationals winning the championship. Well, that's great, but before that, it was nothing but disappointment. Now they're back to being the Washington Nationals as being the worst team in in in, uh, in baseball. I mean, Ovechkin with hockey, but that's just hockey. 
And then you have the pride and joy. You have the foundation, the Washington football team, and we stink. We stink on the field. We stink off the field. We're an embarrassment. We're a joke. And it's shame. And it's shameful. And how much of this should we put on Ron Rivera as the head coach? Hey, man, what, you know, the fact that Daniel, Daniel Snyder is a misogynistic pig and in uh, a low life as a human being, as far as having no moral character or fiber is concerned, that's not Ron Rivera's fault. I mean, that's not that's not his deal. But uh, just everything that's swirling around the Jack Del Rio uh, situation from last year, which caused an unwanted um, spotlight put on them. It's, it's just, I don't know, man. You know, on one hand, yeah, again, it's early in the season, three games in. If they get their doors blown open next week, our hated rival, the Dallas Cowboys, then the chatter might grow a little bit stronger. Then you might contemplate maybe bringing it up, bringing it up. But um, I don't think it really gains legs. I don't think it really gains traction in terms of Ron Rivera losing his job unless, man, we're into week 12, 13, 14, and the commanders are sitting there 3-11 and 11 or 5-9 and nine or something like that. Then I think it's fair to have the discussion should should Ron Rivera come back but um, three games in you know we're not going to have that uh, situation we're not going to have that discussion now but man the way that they looked on um, Sunday against Philadelphia and I forgot I don't know if they're going to be playing Dallas at home or away but whenever Dallas comes down to uh, FedEx they're going to be bringing a whole lot of bandwagoning Dallas Cowboys fans, and it's going to be embarrassing to see a stadium that's going to be probably the majority being Cowboy fans taking over the city, taking over the stadium, taking over the aura, taking over all the elements, taking over, you know, the uh, the situation like that. And it's embarrassing, and it's sad, and it's ridiculous, and it's just the way it is. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us very quickly. Let me get out of here. Maybe on my uh, video video cast, I might speak about the, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the beatdown that they gave the lost, lost Angeles Chargers because they look lost uh, today should Justin Herbert have been playing. Of course, I'll be speaking about the Monday night contest between Dallas and the Giants, right? Got to talk about them Cowboys, right? Right, right. Maybe talk about Jameis Winston. Should he be playing with New Orleans and all that type of stuff? But uh, kind of uh, emptied the tank in terms of uh, what I wanted to speak about as far as my uh, audio podcast is concerned here on Wendell's World of Sports with yours truly, Wendell Wallace. Before I get into the first boogie down break, the only boogie down break, Brett Favre News reports show that he continued to press for state funds knowing they could be illegal. Favre sought out funding for the $6 billion volleyball facility at the University of Southern Mississippi and wanted to request an additional $3.8 million for programs at the facility. Uh, for those who are asking, why is Favre so interested in having them build a volleyball facility and all this kind of nonsense? His daughter plays for the volleyball team at school. So, okay. Bryant had texted Favre that use of these funds is slightly controlled and any improper use could result in violation of federal law. However, despite Bryant laying down the law, the former Green Bay Packer was not taking no for an answer while giving the former governor a slight guilt trip. This is what Favre wrote. He said, we obviously need your help 
Big time and time is working against us, and we feel that your name is the perfect choice for this facility, and we are not taking no for an answer. You are a Southern Miss alumni, and folks need to know you are also a supporter of the university. Good God almighty. Brett Favre has made, in his career, over $100 million. My man is still doing advertisements for, um, you know, the, 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 um, the, the sleeve that you can put on your shoulders and you can put on your knees and your elbows and stuff and make the feel with the copper, copper fit or something like that. So my, my man is not broke. My man's got other ventures going on. He's got all these things going on. And he's speaking about taking funds that could be going to the poor, that could be going to the lowly, that could be going to the downtrodden, that could be going to those in Mississippi who actually need these funds. <clears throat> he wants to take those funds so that he can build a volleyball uh, facility. Meanwhile, people in Jackson, Mississippi don't have drinkable water, don't have water that they can um, uh, live in. And this piece of shit is talking about he needs funds for a uh, for a volleyball facility. Really? 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 Of all the of all the states, you had to go to the most uneducated and the dumbest and the poorest. Speaking about taking funds. Again, Brett Favre made over $100 million in his NFL career. And he didn't retire 45 years ago. And he's been having great incomes, uh, hawking products and doing other things. And he's put himself in this situation. Man, get the fuck out of here. I'm not going to go any farther with that. I just wanted to throw that story out there. Just as, you know, a situation where it's kind of like, let that marinate. Let that sink in. This has nothing to do with political parties. I don't know where Brett Favre stands in terms of whether he's a Democrat or a Republican. I have no idea. I don't know if he voted for the Antichrist in 2016 or if he was dumb enough to follow the brainless cheap who voted for that piece of shit in 2020. I, I don't know. Really don't want to know. Really don't care. Really have no interest. All I care about is this story in terms of him trying to defraud the state of Mississippi, which in turn taking funds from those who need it, especially in this time of need in their crisis right now, that state with the poor folks in that in that state, taking those funds and putting it to a volleyball facility where his daughter is a volleyball player for the university. Get the fuck out of here, Brett Favre. Shameful shameful, disgraceful, you should be brought to the light, the light should be shown on that cockroach, and he should be facing incredible ridicule for that, unbelievable ridicule for that, inexcusable, unacceptable, so, nice way to end off the, <laughs> nice way to end off the uh, football segment of this uh, program, right, speaking about how horrible the Washington, my Washington commanders are, and what a POS that uh, Brett Favre is, oh well, <laughs> Continuing, continuing that set, you know, uh, NBA training camps start tomorrow. My girlfriend, my wife, my Halle Berry, my Layla Roshan, my Monica Bellucci, my Selma Hayek, they're going to be back. The loves of my life concerning sports. I always equate, I always equate sports in terms of my wifey, right? I mean, you know, we got the NFL, which is my girlfriend, you know, and the NBA, which is my wife. Georgetown's even more than my wife in terms of my love, my passion, my devotion, my 
forever in my life without parole for that program, my love, my devotion, my dedication, Georgetown Hoyas basketball program with America's coach Patrick Ewing. But when we're speaking about sports, the love of my life, the thing that I'm married to, the thing that I'm going to stay married to, the thing that I'll be married to until eternity and then beyond that is basketball in the NBA. That's my wife. That's my everything, right? If I was living in a perfect world, if I was living in Wendell's world, that would be my Monica Bellucci. That would be my Selma Hayek. That would be my Vivica A. Fox. That would be my Halle Berry. That would be, you know, that 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 group. Back in town, they are back from vacation. Um, so my the the, the who I'm cheating on right now, which is the NFL, and you know I'm gonna have to put them up in the hotel and kind of sneak them see see if I can. See what I can do about seeing them at the dark end of the street. You know what I'm saying? But uh, so right now, the NBA is back. There's been some news. There's been some news that has me puzzled, that has me confused, that has me dazed, that's had me bewildered like I was James Brown. And I'm going to discuss those things concerning Ime Udoka, concerning Robert Sarver, as well as speaking about college basketball or excuse me, about uh, college football. I will be thinking, speaking about all the things as I get up and I get on down. Last segment of the podcast. Last segment of the program. Welcome back to Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Thank you so much for, again, taking the time to listen to my podcast. I'm, I'm a very busy man, shall we say. Very busy. Very busy. What? But I like it. Normally, my, normally because I'm single, but ready to mingle. 42 to 49. Beautiful ladies only but also with a good heart and a sense of humor and can put up with my foolishness, which really depletes the uh, perspective level. But, um, <clears throat> you know, because I'm not married and I don't have any kids, you know, I have the ability on the weekends just to relax and just to uh, watch a lot of football normally. But uh, because of my position to where three or four days a week, I'm driving up to uh, Mesquite, Nevada, you know, really puts it in a situation where I have an infinite amount of time or a very finite amount of time to go ahead and record these um, record these um, <clears throat> podcasts and publish them and then those do those type of things. Um, especially though, I'm having to juggle. I'm having to juggle not just doing the podcast, but uh, a few of my buddies up at the high school. You know, I'm very proud of them. The fact that homecoming for Virgin Valley High School is, is coming up, I think, in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, the, the music that the kids listen to today is garbage. Yeah, I know. Get off my lawn moment. I know. I understand. I'm going there. I'm going there. But the music that they listen to is garbage. It's interesting. These clowns wear like Tupac and Easy e and NWA stuff. These motherfuckers don't know anything. They don't know nothing about that stuff. They weren't even born. 
when those guys were doing those things, when those guys were doing their thing, when those guys were making music, where those guys negatively were having an impact on the community, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, whatever, when you're speaking about two punk. But, uh, you know, these kids have no idea. They know the shirt, they like the music a little bit, but they have no idea what these guys meant or what these guys were all about. And don't even get don't even get me started on the fact that they don't know Rakim, they don't know they don't know Biggie, they don't know Nas, they don't know Most Def, they don't know Big L, they don't know EPMD, they don't know Big Daddy, they don't know Kumo D, they don't know Public Enemy, they don't know any of those guys from the East Coast. These clowns who just think that hip that that their hip hop started in in Los Angeles. Come on now. So my my education toward those kids are. Uh, it's ongoing and never present. Hey, man, you know, in in life, you know, you got algebra, you got geometry, you got geoscience, you got English, you got f- future farmers of America, you, you've got woodshop, you got auto, you got gym, you got CrossFit, you got all those things. What you need, you you you, you need to you need all those things. You need to build that foundation. You need to build the knowledge. You need to build the good habits of studying, of taking this stuff seriously, of getting good grades, of buckling down, of taking care of responsibility. Keep telling them, kids, it doesn't matter if you're going to use algebra. It doesn't matter if you're going to use history, which you should learn because without knowing the past, you don't know where you're going to be going in the future. All of these things that these kids find you know, to be like, you know, such a bore and such a hassle and so nonsensical. You need to master the art of learning these things so when you actually go out in life and get a job, you have the skills, you have the dedication, you have the discipline, you have the know-how, you have the knowledge, you have the uh, strong foundation, and you have the routine set to be successful in life, not just in the in the profession that you're going to be in, but also with marriage and also with kids and other individuals and other human beings moving this world forward, the understanding of those, blah, blah, blah. So I'm trying to teach this knowledge to these knuckleheads, but also I'm very proud because some of my buddies are going to homecoming, but they cannot dance because the music that they're listening to is garbage. So they need to learn how to dance. They need to learn. They need to learn how to move. They need to learn how to groove in a very respectful for their mate type of way. I'm not talking about bumping and grinding or any of that stuff. I'm not talking about disrespecting the male or the female, the boy or the girl. I'm not talking about grinding on them or anything inappropriate. I'm talking about just having a good time and keeping up the beat and keeping up the groove and keeping up with the move and keeping up with with being with the one two. And eliminating the white man overbite. And just, just getting down with the one-two. So, yeah, I've been bringing out. I've been having to, you know, just break out the uh, Levi Stubbs and the Four Tops. I've been having to break out the James Brown. I've been having to break out the Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth. I've been having to break out the Donnie Hathaway. I've been having to break out the uh, Aretha Franklin. I've been having to break out the... Um, I've been having to break out the uh, Otis writing. I've been having to break out all these things and break it down. Because if you can get that soulfulness in you, if you can get that funk in you, if you can get that foundation in you, then the garbage, then the nonsense, then the putrefied sounds that are coming from the whatever music is being played today, if that's what you want to be calling it, if you get down and if you understand and you get that foundation of Levi Stubbs and, and James Brown and Otis Redding and Curtis Mayfield and Aretha Franklin and Anita Baker and Donnie Hathaway and Luther Vandross, and you get all of those guys into you and just get a mulchrum of knowledge about how to move the Barry White and those guys, fellas, I'm telling you, 
Anthony, I'm telling you, it works. Cameron, I'm telling you, it works. It works. I'm telling you. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. That's what I have to deal with, y'all. That's what I have to deal with. Story, it works. Kaylee, it works. Charles, it works. Birthday girl, EJ Jr., it works. <sighs> My work is never done. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. Rafa, it works. Go to hum- Go to homecoming. I'll be there for you. We get a week. I'll teach you the one-two. I'll teach you the groove. Very simple. The certain distance you need to be in terms of having it be acceptable. Like you have to think if you're going to be dancing with this girl, okay, how close should I get to this girl? Let me kind of pretend if her father was there watching me, okay, what kind of distance should I have? Would he appreciate it if I was up there bumping and grinding and and wearing her like a cheap suit? Absolutely not. I would get my head blown off. I would get my head bashed in by her father. So common sense. Give her a little room. Give her a little room to breathe. Show her some respect. Have it father approved. My work is never done. Wendell's World of Sports. And this starts in about starts in about seven hours. Good Lord, man. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Okay, very quickly, let me get to Emma Udoka of the um of the Boston Celtics. As I mentioned before, training camp starts this week, but the Boston Celtics have suspended uh, Ime Yudoka for the entire 2022-2023 NBA season. Reportedly, Yudoka was suspended for having what was called an improper, intimate, consensual relationship with a female Celtic staff member, which is in violation of the franchise's code of conduct. The lengthy investigation was done by an independent law firm found... And, and found that he had violated multiple team policies. According to the Athletic Sharania, the Celtics became aware of the relationship in July, but the franchise did not get involved until he allegedly made unwanted comments to the woman in the relationship. And according to a report from TMZ, the woman that had the affair with Yudoka helped make all of his travel arrangements, and that job sometimes included organizing travel for his fiance. <sighs> Nia Long, mm, mm. man, you're gonna cheat on Nia Long. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. He's been in a relationship with her since 2010, engaged since 2015, and they have one child together. Mm, 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 mm. Sources connected to the couple and the NBA franchise told TMZ one of the staffer's duties included planning Yudoka's team-related travel. And we're told she was also involved in booking travel for Nia to come to Boston or to road games. And according to sources, the employee who Yudoka was cheating on had a hand in Nia's arrangement to move to Boston permanently. Long had just moved east a little over two weeks ago with the couple's 10-year-old son. And Long was apparently blindsided by the news of uh, Yudoka's affair. So Yudoka knew about this in July, or I mean, he was cheating on her long before that, but basically he knew that uh, his dirty had come to light in uh, July, and he still didn't uh, tell long about it, man. Man, 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 man. I, here, here's the deal. Here, I, I, I have no idea how to attack this. I have no idea really what to say about this, because we don't know all the information. 
because it's it's, it's almost kind of convoluted, and I think it's convoluted to by 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 reason. I mean, this is not kind of like a mistake here. I think it's when you say improper, intimate, consensual relationship. That's kind of like that's kind of like. I, that's all over the place. In improper, intimate, consensual. How is it improper and consensual? Now, is it improper because she was a female staff member and because she was already married? That makes it improper. Because if it was consensual, that means both her and him decided that it was a good idea to have an intimate relationship. So if it was consensual, then how was it improper? Because when I'm thinking about improper... <laughs> I'm thinking about a situation where he was blackmailing her or this was a situation where she was doing this because of uh, something against her will or she really didn't want to do it, but because of her career or because of her family or because, you know, she made a mistake. And now because of this, she's in this and she doesn't want to uh, have anybody find out about it. So she's going against her will. But then again, that's not consensual. That's, that's not the definition of consensual. So I don't know. So... Again, I'm also thinking about, okay, um, during the press conference, Brad Stevens got emotional when he was talking about how he let down the women staffers, how he let down the women who were employed by the Celtics because of the situation. Well, okay, does that mean then that Yudoka was hitting on more than just this one woman or he was having a relationship with more than just this one woman? Was he sexually harassing these women? Was he trying to coerce more women to have an improper relationship with? And because of that, uh, the Celtics organization didn't do anything or Yudoka made it a hostile working environment because of that. If that was the case, then they should have fired him immediately and not suspended him for a year. And also, what did he do that would have him be suspended for a year but not have him fired? Or what did he do to have him be fired for a year with with in all likelihood that he will not be brought back? So if that's the case, why don't you just fire him now? What type of legal what type of legal ramifications are we looking at by the Boston Celtics organization? If they fired Yadoka, would he have any leg to stand on to um take the Celtics organization to court? And if they did, what secrets are the Boston Celtics hiding? in their acknowledgement or knowledge of what Yudoka was doing, if they do anything. And how much would they even want to do that in terms of them trying to keep everything secret? So I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, because right now, anybody and everybody who's talking about this is speculating. And we're playing the what-if game. Well, what if he was doing this? Well, what if she was doing that? Well, what if this was happening? Well, what if that was happening? And we don't know. Because there's nothing here that leads toward oh, well, he must have been doing this, that, and the other. We don't know. Because, again, when, when you speak about, um, you know, he was suspended for a year, he's going to be heavily fined, he's going to go to counseling and all this kind of stuff, but we're not going to fire him. Well, precedent has already been set in, in many other, not just, you know, athletic organizations, not just franchises and, and a multitude of sports, but just life in general. Employment in general, the nine to five working environment in general is that, you know, you don't, you don't survive sexually harassing somebody. You just don't see Robert Sarver. Eventually they're going to get you. It might take them 18 years, but eventually they're going to get you. So if 
if he was having consensual improper relations intimate relations with the staffer and if it was consensual how then did it affect the other female employees working at the Celtics organization well let me see here so Yudoka made a statement uh, he said that I want to apologize to our players, fans, and the entire Celtics organization and my family for letting them down. I am sorry for putting the team in this difficult situation, and I accept the team's decision. Out of respect for everyone involved, I will have no further comment. What he should have said, and I'm no PR guy, so, you know, whatever, what I say, what I say in 25 cents won't buy you a stick of gum anymore, but what I would have done was, I would have had him say this. I would have had him say, I want to sincerely apologize to my family, Brad Stevens, and the entire Celtics organization, our players and fans, for my actions in breaking your trust and faith in me. I take full responsibility for the awful and devastating situation I have put people who I love and adore in and fully expect the punishment given to me. I will take this time to do everything humanly possible to learn from this and come back a better person, partner, employee, and human being out of respect for everyone involved, I will have no further comment. That's, if I was a PR guy, that's what I would have told inmate to us say. Because I want to apologize to our players and fans, or fans, our players and fans. Why are you apologizing to the fans? What? So what? I mean, that's, you know, apologize to the players. Why are you apologizing to the players? You're not taking food out of their table. They're not, they're not taking food off their table and such. Yeah, they lost their coach. But uh, Jason Tatum is still going to get paid. Jalen Brown is still going to get paid. Um, you know, no one's getting traded. No one from the Celtics player standpoint is going to be affected by this. So why are you apologizing to them first? I know you have to apologize, but why are you apologizing to them first? Now, it could be just whatever, man. You just threw it out there. But, you know, apologizing to the fans. Why are you apologizing to the fans for Fans have no, no, no stake in this matter. The entire Celtics organization, yeah, you need to apologize for. And my family, yeah, that's the most important thing. The most important thing you need to do is you need to apologize to your son and to your fiancé and to your parents if they're still around and to any other family members and to family members of uh, Nia Long and anybody she holds important in her life. Those are the people that should be getting 100% of your attention and your sorrow in, uh, in, in, uh, in your apology. I mean, along with Brad Stevens, who gave you the opportunity, and the Celtics organization who gave you the opportunity. Family, it should be the most important thing. So, I mean, you know, taking, you know, that, that would have been my, that would have been my deal. But then again, and until we find out exactly what happened, we, we, we can only speculate. And again, it's just going down avenues that's never been gone down before in terms of, I can't think of anything where we've been left in the dark in terms of what someone did to kind of judge the punishment, whether it was fair, whether it was not unfair. I mean, we don't even have accusations. We don't have someone coming to the forefront and saying, this is what happened. We don't have a victim going on Oprah or going to Dr. Phil or going on TMZ or going somewhere. Barbara Walters, who is Barbara Walters still living? But, you know, in terms of going somewhere to say, this is what happened. There's no one talking to Robin Roberts. There's no one going on Good Morning America to say, this is the situation between uh, uh, Yudoka and me. So, we, I don't know. We don't know. There hasn't been a situation. There, hasn't, there was this investigation, but the investigation said violations were committed. Well, what violations were there? How many people did it affect? The woman... 
who had the uh, improper relationship with, she's still with her. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's still with the uh, the organization. So in a situation like this, damn, you're going to disrespect Neil Long if this is a situation where he was, she was having intimate relations with this gal's uh, fiance and she's still going to keep her job in a situation where she was part of the, uh, she was part of the, the, the group or whatever you want to say it, to have Nia Long uproot her life and uh, move it to Boston, Massachusetts. Meanwhile, you're sleeping with this guy and she still gets to keep her job? But then again, I don't know because we don't know all the details. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going on. And, and maybe, you know, it's a good thing. Maybe it's a situation where we don't know. I don't, I don't want to know. That's none of my business. What happened with Ime Yudoka and this woman and the relationship and, you know, the backlash and the impact that it had. It's none of my business. I got enough things going on in my life to where I shouldn't be. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about this. Um, but uh, I don't know in terms of the, to speak about this. I don't know even in terms of, you know, because we, we speak about women's rights. And we speak about women being disrespected and still being disrespected and still not being treated equally. You're still uh, males, me, myself included, having a long way to go and showing women the proper respect uh, that they need to have, not just in this country, but in this world. I'm, I'm part of the problem. I need to improve. I need to get better. You need to get better. All men need to get better in that in that regard. So in a situation like this, there's so much ambiguity. There's so much unknown that I don't even know how women can bring this to the forefront, even if they want to bring this to the forefront as far as a learning tool and to advance the movement of women um, becoming more respected on an everyday basis. Is there even an avenue for that? Is this the right opportunity for that? Is this the right example for that? I don't know. I don't know. Because we don't know very much of anything. Now, is that being, is that, is that any type of disservice? The woman involved, is she, uh, is this, this a, is she having this as a disservice? If the Celtics organization, men up there, as far as that press conference is concerned, saying that we're not going to talk about this, we're not going to, uh, get into the particulars, we're not going to get into the details, are they doing you and me and society and others a disservice? By doing that, look, man, you know, the gossip and the windows and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, he's going to be gone. And, um, you know, all I have to say is that for his sake, Ime Yudoka's sake, bruh, I'm just hoping that um, for your sake that uh, you didn't cheat on me along with a white woman. Because, um, you know, you cheat on me along in the black community. That's that's not good. That's not good at all. But uh, if you cheated on me along with a white woman, the black community and especially black women are going to lose their minds. <laughs> you will be a pariah. I don't know, you, uh, Ime, I don't know how you come back from this, man. I don't know. This is a situation, man. Ask Tiki Barber and a couple of others, man, who kind of did that same bullshit in terms of uh, leaving a black woman for a white woman. Mm, not good. Not good. And we're talking about Nia Long here, man. We're talking about Nubian. 
We're talking about Nubian certified, Nubian princess certified, man. You know, I mean, even even more than Halle Berry. You know, we the, the black community kind of gives Halle Berry a pass for dating white men because every time she tried to date black women, or tried, every time she tried tried to date black men, didn't work out too well. The black men were knuckleheads. The black head, black men were idiots. Black men couldn't step up to the plate properly with Halle Berry. Now, I would be more than happy to uh, give it a shot. I would be more than happy to take a swing at it. I would be more than happy to show Halle that, you know what? As a black man dating you, being with you, sleeping with you, sharing my life with you, unless you're a complete and total maniac, maybe David Justice is like, bro, you really want to go there? But, but you know, Eric Benet did her wrong. David Justice did her wrong. I mean, there's a lot of black men who did her wrong to where Halle's like, all right, look, man, sorry, I gave y'all a chance. You know, my mom's white, so, uh, you know, me dating white men, sorry, got to go there. Even black women are like, yeah, I understand it. I get you. I get you. Black men didn't did you dirty on a couple of times, and you tried multiple multiple times. And uh, you know Eric Benet with the sex addiction too did you wrong and other things. So we get it. We understand it. But when you're speaking about Neil Long, who stayed on the same team, and now this man Yudoka is going to cheat on her, treat her dirty, disrespect her, and then do it all with a white woman. Woo, <laughs> Emeka. Boy, that's, mm, I'm praying for you, bro. I'm praying that's not, that's not the case. You in, you in deep enough trouble in the community for what you did with, with uh, Nia, regardless of who you did it with. The fact that if you did it with a white woman, whew, that's not good. Mm, mm, mm. That ain't good. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. This is Robert Sarver nonsense? He, uh, Finally gave up the team, right? Thank goodness, says Adam Silver. Oh, by the way, Joe Mazzulla is going to be the new head coach for the Boston Celtics interim head coach. This was a guy in 2009 was arrested and charged with domestic battery. So you go from a guy who's cheating on his wife to a guy in 2009 was uh, charged with allegedly grabbing a woman by the neck and choking her at a bar while he was a West Virginia student and basketball player. Optics, not good. So I wanted to throw that in there. Sorry. Um... But some good news concerning the league, Robert Sarver released a statement in which he announced that he has begun to, he has begun the process of selling the Phoenix Suns and the uh, Mercury. He said that the, uh, let me see, he was, what was, what was the say here in the, in the statement? Words that I deeply regret now overshadow nearly two decades of building organizations that brought people together and strengthened the Phoenix area through the uh, unifying power of professional men's and women's basketball. As a man of faith, Jesus, as a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that that is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and the Mercury. Robert Sarver, jump off a fucking bridge. Seriously, tie an anchor around your neck and jump off a fucking bridge. Unbelievable. Oh, yes. Poor Robbie. Just, oh my goodness. I mean, this poor guy, his great works and his unifying leadership qualities, right? A lengthy investigation was released. Speaking about Robert Sarver. 
how he oversaw a toxic and offensive workplace for almost 20 years in which he repeatedly used the word nigger even after multiple employees told him it was inappropriate. He was suggesting that an employee's, an employee's uh, wife likely gave good blowjobs. He declared that he hated diversity. He made remarks about the size of an employee's genitalia and he was forwarding pornographic material and sex jokes to male employees. And also, he told a pregnant employee she shouldn't be able to do her job effectively because she would soon be breastfeeding. Oh, yes. Yes, a guy in Robert Sarver who, in his mind, was a guy who brought unity and togetherness in a loving and wonderful organization together through basketball. Man, boy, I tell you, the man's a billionaire, right? So the man ain't stupid. The man is not dumb by any stretch of the imagination. But when you're that successful and you get that much money and you get that much power, man, a sense of your reality just goes, man. Or your reality is just something that I can't comprehend. I wish I could be that lost. I wish I could be that clueless. I wish I could be that so dumbfounded. I could wish I could be that keep my head in the sand, keep my hands over my eyes and my ears. I wish I could be that blind. I wish I could be that lost and have that type of money and, ha and be that rich and be that privileged. Man, I wish I was at that stage, man. I wish I was at that level. Well, not really, because I would hate to be Robert Sarver. Wouldn't you hate to be Robert Sarver? If a guy, if he really believed that, and I'm quite sure he did, that somehow, someway, he was the victim. And now he's going to make a couple of billion dollars by selling his share of the Phoenix Suns, or a couple of hundred million dollars by selling the Phoenix Suns. But yet he's the victim. 18 years of women being uh, uh, mistreated, employees being mistreated, being abused, working in a hostile workplace with nowhere else to go. It was almost like they were in prison and it was almost like they were entrapped because they couldn't go anywhere else because they had bills to pay and they had children to raise and they had things to take care of. And this piece of shit right here is talking about he's the victim? That somehow, some way he should be forgiven for all that? When Lord knows that he ain't gonna change? Fuck you, Robert. Fuck you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Man, I would hate to be that clueless. You could give me 10 billion. You could give me 20. You could give me Steve Ballmer money, man. You could give me You could give me Paul Allen money. You could give me Steve Jobs money. You could give me Bill Gates money. You could give me all the money I would hate. You can give me all the mansions. You can give me all the yachts. You can give me all the cars. You can give me all the women. You can give me all the goodies that come with being super duper unbelievable rich and powerful. You can give me all the cruises. You can give me all the intimate vacations with a 25-year-old. You can, you can give me the life that Jerry Buss had in terms of the girls that he dated. You can give me all of that. And that would be one miserable son of a bitch. If I had to live like that, if I was that clueless, if I, if people around me knew how clueless I was, if I was Robert Sarver clueless, take away all of that bullshit, take away all of that nonsense, man. If I had to live like that, Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wall. so glad that you could be with us real quick. I got to start talking about college football a little bit more. I really do. Um, best teams in the country. They did what they needed to do. Georgia beat Kent State 39-22. Sloppy, lackadaisical. Georgia turned the ball over three times. Stetson Bennett threw his first interception of the season. 
maybe the worst game they've played in over a year. And that's including the loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game last season. But they're starting SEC play, so maybe that was a situation where it's kind of like, you know, gives Kirby Smart a reason to uh, get on them. And uh, they played Missouri, Auburn, Vanderbilt, and Florida. They still have the best and most impressive win of the season compared to Ohio State and Alabama, which is their victory over Oregon, who came back. Bo Nix probably had his best game since he was a freshman in the first game of the season against, oh, I forgot who Auburn played. I think Auburn played Oregon, didn't he? Didn't Didn't they play Oregon at Jerry World? And Knicks came back and led a last-second uh, touchdown, and he was supposed to be the savior to uh, save the job for uh, Gus Malzahn and all that kind of nonsense. He hadn't played, he hadn't played well since. Well, in the game against Washington State, he did. But uh, yeah, so that victory that Georgia had over Oregon seems to be um, getting more impressive as the weeks go on. Um, uh, Alabama won their SEC opener against Vanderbilt at home, 55-3. Bryce Young had 385 yards, passing four touchdowns in a little over a half and a half. Treshawn Holden, Ja'Cory Brooks, Jermaine Burton each had 15 yards per catch. It's Vanderbilt, so who knows? The defense held uh, the Commodores to 129 yards. Alabama had eight tackles for a loss, five sacks, broke up four passes. Had three quarterback hurries. It's Vanderbilt. It's Vanderbilt. It's Vanderbilt. Ohio State had the best uh, victory, though, this weekend out of the top three schools. Beat Wisconsin 52-21 to in a game that wasn't as close as the score would indicate, and the score wasn't close. Uh, they led 28 nothing early in the second quarter, and then after that they were like, all right, put the horses back in the barn. But they still played with a decent amount of passion and and focusing football the rest of the way for the win. The Buckeyes had 539 total yards on offense, balanced with 281 yards passing, 258 of those rushing, uh, 28 first downs, 8 of 12 on third and fourth down conversions. C.J. Stroud threw for five touchdowns. Trayvon Henderson, Mayan Williams ran for a combined 222 yards on 32 carries. The upset of the day, though, was Oklahoma losing to Kansas State in Norman 31 to, uh, 41 to 34. My main man, Eric G., and the coach, Pat Jones, can't wait to um, sneak a few moments and to listen to their program, which is on the Sports Animal in Tulsa. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and take a listen to those programs. My man, G., Eric G., always talking, always talking sense, always talking good stuff, always talking knowledge and doing it in an entertaining way with uh, Coach Jones, talking about what's happening with Oklahoma State, talking about what's happening with Oklahoma. The G-Man being a Oklahoma alum and a good friend of mine speaking about what's going down, so I'm quite sure they have some things to be talking about in terms of Kansas State for the third time in four years beating the, beating the Sooners. So whether it's uh, Lincoln Riley, Bob Stoops, or... Uh, or uh, Brent Venables, I tell you, man, the defense is still the defense still sucks. I mean, you know, the um, they allow 509 total yards, didn't cause a turnover. Kansas State went 10 on 19 on third and fourth down. They averaged 5.6 yards per rush. Adrian Martinez looked like a Heisman Trophy winner, going for 264 yards, uh, me, 234 yards in the air and over 100 yards on the ground. So yeah, man. So 11 to two out there in Tulsa. The sports animal. Listen to uh, my main man, Eric G. and Coach Jones put it down in terms of uh, what happened on that one. But, uh, yeah, disappointing loss for the Oklahoma Sooners, but not as bad or as embarrassing as Miami losing to Middle 
Tennessee 45-31. to uh, 31. Middle Tennessee State never trailed. They forced turnovers on uh, Miami's first three possessions, stopped the Hurricanes on downs on three other occasions, scored on passes of 69, 71, and 90, 98 yards, and then just for good measure had an 89-yard pass for a touchdown. So there you go. There you go. So the uh, the uh, Mario Cristobal uh, uh, honeymoon is, is now over. So uh, they've got some work to do. All right. That's enough. It's past 12 o'clock. i got to wake up in about four hours, drive myself 85 miles, and uh, I'm going to be dead tired. But that's okay. That's okay. Time for me to be teaching my boys, teaching my gals up there the good old one-two and uh, get them ready for homecoming. Yeah, yeah. So I want to thank everybody for listening to my podcast. Thank you so doggone much. Remember, download, subscribe, rate, review, listen, watch my YouTube episodes. I come out every Wednesday with those bad boys. So uh, download and watch and subscribe, all of those th- good things. Leave you with, as always, do what we need to do to make this world a better place. How? By listening, learning, educating yourself, by talking to those from a different race, from a different gender, from a different background, from different side of the tracks, different political affiliations, different religions, different everything, man. Listen, learn, shut up, and listen and learn with respect. For that person and their knowledge and their differences. And then take that back to the younger generation. For my generation, too late, man. Too late for us to live in a society where people are judged by who they are, not by the color of their skin or by their gender or by their religion or by how much money they have. Too late for us. But man, if we can teach the lessons of love and unity and harmony and togetherness and respect for everybody who deserves it because they have love in their hearts to give also. If we could do that, then uh, I think that uh, our mission in life would be complete. So that's what I'm hoping for. Wendell's World in Sports, yours truly. Wendell Wallace, be good, be safe, be strong, be all of those things. Be knowledgeable, be educated, be worldly, be open-minded, and get me out of here with some music.